Welcome to the Happy Holy Podcast. I'm Anna Marie Frank, a doctor of traditional naturopathy and certified brain health professional. Now, those of you that know Happy Holy You, you know that we are all about health and well-being, and we combine all the physical aspects, nutritional aspects, as well as the energetic and emotional aspects to well-being. So on this podcast, you guys, you are going to get a variety of information with different topics that can range from brain health all the way to how your energy field impacts your overall health and well-being. Now, let me remind you that we are not giving medical advice on this podcast, and these are just our personal experiences and information that we are sharing. If you do have any physical or any mental challenges going on in your life, we highly recommend that you seek a medical professional that you have a strong relationship with. All right, you guys, we are going to get started. So here we go. Hi everyone, I'm Heather Laganelli and I'm here today to kind of switch things up a little bit and we are going to be interviewing Dr. Anna Marie Frank. So all the questions that I have built up in my brain around her life and what makes Dr. Anna Marie Frank tick, we're going to answer right now. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's just, I love that now I'm sharing the podcast platform with you and it feels interesting that I'm being interviewed on <laughs> you know, my own podcast that I created. So I think this is cool. And I just, I appreciate you saying, Hey, I'd like to interview you. And of course I looked at you kind of cross-eyed, like why, you know, cause I feel like people that listen to the podcast know me and then you're like, but no. no. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's lots of things that maybe could fall through the cracks. And when I think about a position of somebody that they would be in to run a business, to run a podcast, to run a nutraceutical line, to formulate that nutraceutical line, to be a motivational speaker at team building events and corporate events and all of the things I could go on and on of all the things that you do with your time. <laughs> there's more to it than just talking on a podcast and interviewing people for or what they're good at, or maybe even some of the realizations and awareness that you might have in your day mm -hmm. are kind of catered and filtered through your lens of what you see. And so I think it's fun. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. My first question for you. Oh boy. Is, by the way, you guys, I don't know what these questions are. <laughs> Full disclaimer. <laughs> my first question to you is what are three things you do in your day to manage yourself and the people around you? So like, how do you go through your day? What are tools that you use to manage your energy and to make sure that you're contributing to the energy of those around you in a positive way? Oh yeah. So one thing that I've learned to do is not attach different meanings to when the chaos starts to happen. So, you know, just because something happens doesn't mean something else. Like, you know, really just, okay, what happened is this, and then where's the solution? And then how do we just take care of it, right? Instead of creating a whole emotion around it. Give me an example. Let's see, like, well, I had, I had an employee who agreed to stay for a couple weeks until we trained our new person. And then she came in one day and just was like, hey, I'm just, I'm done. Like, as of right now, I'm done. And so at first, the initial response is, you know, I was like, okay, you know, you need to do what's best for you. I understand. And then there's the aspect of me that was like, well, gosh, you know, you had gave your word that this is what you would do. And you're, you're taking that back. So, you know, part of me is like, 
that bothered me, but I had to like quit getting that emotion in the way. And then I just went to, okay, I grabbed the schedule, figured out, okay, what do I do? Like game plan. So instead of getting like emotionally involved in it, I just went to, how do I problem solve this? Because me getting emotionally involved and upset that this person didn't do what they said they were going to do, blah, 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 blah. That's not going to help anything. So throughout the day, you know, as a business owner. Wait, wait, time out. So what would that have looked like maybe 15 years ago? Oh my gosh. I would have got so upset. I would have complained about it to everybody. And can you believe that this person like just like up and left us and been really, I would have been a victim. I would have allowed myself to been a victim in that whole situation and made it about how I was feeling versus about what there is to do. And all that happened was this person was no longer wanting to be here. And she gave us, hey, I'm leaving. That communicated. And then I just had to do something about it. Like period, the end, like that's it. But yeah, before I would have attached so many emotions to it and made it into a much bigger mess than what it was. How did you get to that point in your life to where you were able to recognize, hey, this isn't going to serve. The response that I've always given this typically isn't going to serve me in this environment. How did you bridge that gap? I think it was over a period of time of just working on my own inner thoughts and my own leadership and my own spirituality and really just realizing how much energy and time I put into the very things I didn't want and I didn't want to feel and I didn't like, but I would spend all this time festering in that energy of those things. And it was like, why am I spending all this time and energy in the frequency, in the emotion of what I'm saying I don't want in my life. And I'm giving it all this attention and started to realize like, okay, well, what's done is done. Like I can't change the past. And I think part of that on that journey that I've taken was a big piece of that was forgiving myself for past things. Like I'm not a perfect person. I've made some pretty bad decisions. I used to drink a lot go partying, just, you know, not stuff that I would do today. Drinking and partying doesn't make you a bad person necessarily. But what you choose to do when you're in And also like that mindset of not prioritizing your life is a little different. Like, cause it's like almost like halting, Mm -hmm. I think it, or maybe it's just a filler, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not taking the initiative to like be intentional, I think. Yeah. And if people want to drink and party, like, cool, like it's not a big deal. It's just, being mindful, I think, of like how often do I want to do that and how often yeah. do I want to show up for myself and yeah. like, come from like a clear-minded mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like, you know, when you go out and you're drinking and partying, you're the next day, you feel like crap, you're not very productive, your mindset isn't clear, you're not able to show up in a way that is your true authentic self and, you know, helping others. And so it really like just muckies the water and clouds things for you. And then when you get in that cycle though, of doing that too often, because I mean, I would like go out like almost every weekend. And then, you know, if I even back up to college, I mean, it was like Wednesday night was happy hour here. And then Thursday night was this and oh wait, taco Tuesday. So maybe I started on Tuesdays. You know what I mean? I dated a guy in college and he was like, you drink every day. And I was like, no, I don't. And he was like, think about it, Heather. And I was like, no, I swear I don't. He's like, what'd you do yesterday? I'm like, 
oh, well, yesterday was Tuesday. And yeah, we did do Taco Tuesday. And he was like, what'd you do on Monday? I'm like, oh, I had girls night. It was Monday night dinner at my house, girls night. And he was like, what'd you drink? But I did have a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then before I knew it, yeah, college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. College, so I mean. Yeah. And which, you know, and then we we're like, okay, yep, it's college. Right. But then I drug that into my professional career in my early 20s. And you know, these are patterns and these are things that you keep doing. And so, you know, so anyway, so your, yeah. Your question was, how did you shift the mindset and the intentionality between like, I'm going to go into victim to I'm going to go, for, I'm going to come from like a more of a responsible mindset. Yeah. So it was really like forgiving myself for my past, the judgment I had on myself from my past. And then also just like realizing what did I really want, right? Like I didn't want to be that depressed person. I didn't want to be that angry person. I didn't want to be that person that didn't feel good every day. I didn't want to be the person that was like mad about having to go to a job and bitching about the job I had. And you, you know? didn't want to attract, you said. You didn't, didn't want, want to attract, attract that frequency all or that energy. That right. Continually repeating that mm-hmm. mindset or yeah. like, train of thought yeah yeah Yeah. so the more you you know you stay in any type of mindset the more you're going to attract that very thing Mm -hmm. so I knew that for me to literally shift and change and be different I had to do different things so I no longer I got to the point where I no longer could continuously do the same things because I there was a point where I started to know better, right? So once we know better, we can do better. And so, yeah, so then I just started to just shift and change out of that victim mindset and started to just see how I could, one, let things go, forgive myself, you know, and then be in action every day of things that would move me forward in my life. Okay. And so the first question that I had asked you was, what are three things that you do in your life every day to contribute to positive energy day for you and the people around you? Yeah. So the, talked about the one and then the other thing that I do is every day I start my day off with I have a very short routine that no matter what happens I have like I choose to do that routine and that routine is I go outside I put my bare feet in the grass even if it's just for a minute while I do that I bring my dogs outside because that brings me just like joy I drink a big glass of water and then I take my vitamins that is like one routine that I like I can't not go outside and put my feet in the grass and I can't not spend a couple minutes with my dogs and I can't not drink that water and I can't not take my nutraceuticals like so if I were to like in that whole process can be five minutes right so on a great morning when you know I choose to wake up earlier because sometimes I choose to sleep in depending on the night before I'm not very like super strict with myself in that terms like some people have like oh I have to wake up I have to have one hour I have to meditate I have to da 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 I choose to do those things when I feel like I've had enough sleep I choose to wake up and go to a you know a 5 30 a.m class when I've had enough sleep and do like trx or I do like a yoga class and then I'll come home and I'll do that routine I just talked about but that routine is like one thing that is every day because that sets my energy and when I'm outside earthing and grounding myself and my dog are out there there's also an energy routine that I do to set my energy field Um, so that's one big thing that I do as well and then the third thing throughout my day oh let's see here um I think just being in gratitude for like what's just happening you know like just because I like every day I walk into this building I'm like so like happy because I have like, you know, we've been here for a year in this building and it's like my building. We're high-fiving. It's like my building. 
I bought this building. I literally painted the walls. We put up the walls. Like we, we did everything to make this, like this was literally all on a piece of paper. And it's now like this real tangible thing right in front of me. And nobody can take it away from me. Like nobody gets to tell me, hey, your lease is up in six months. Nobody gets to come in here and say, you can't put nails on the wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, I'm so grateful, you know, that I have this building. So being in gratitude, so important. And, you know, we've been in business for five years. So four years I was in business working in 750 square feet under somebody else's roof, just trying to like make it through, get through COVID, you know, get in a space where I could, you know, afford to take a risk to buy a building to expand this company and did it and I think the only reason that that happened is because I was in gratitude and I was just consistent and persistent in alignment with who I am and I didn't compromise how I do business because that's not you know I don't know like you know we have a holistic wellness center here in a conservative town I had so many people tell me like really like you're gonna open that in Bakersfield like how is that gonna work and I just didn't allow Allow other people's fears to block what I had envisioned in my mind. And so, yeah, I think being in gratitude, having that morning routine to kick off my day, and then just not attaching meaning to things and what's happening is happening and not get my emotions caught up to where it, you know, changes my day into uh, down a road I don't want. What's one piece of advice you would give somebody that is starting off in the not attaching meaning to things mindset? Like if you have some viewers out here that are maybe noticing that they fall down that path or they end up on that path, what's one thing that somebody can do to like shift that mindset? Just, well, recognizing it first and then going into gratitude and literally laughing at yourself. Like being like, oh I've yeah, seen <laughs> I've seen you do that. I've I've did that thing that again. So yeah. <laughs> like where it's like almost like this little nervous laugh where you're like, oh crap. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because I mean, we all like our brains go there. We have these like intrusive thoughts or we want to get all, you know, I mean, I'm a very passionate person so I can get, you know, really riled up about some things. And then I get really riled up and then I like literally laugh at myself because it's like, okay, all right. You know? So yeah, I would just say like, recognize that one that you're doing it and then recognize you're doing it, laugh at yourself. But those of you out there that are listening, they're like, what do you mean? Like giving meaning to things? Like you may be wondering, like, what does that mean? Cause I know that when I kind of learned this, I was like, like I didn't fully understand it. And so one of the best examples I can give is, you know, back when we were younger and you had a crush on someone, <laughs> whoever it was, when you found out that that crush didn't feel the same way about you, there was a meaning you attached to it, right? So ultimately, say you wanted to ask, you asked this person out, they said no, okay? The meanings that we attach to that can be, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't come from the right family, whatever, right? There's all this meaning that you put around it when really what happened was you like someone and they didn't feel the same way back, period. Like stop it there, right? So it's the story we tell ourselves. And I think that in the clever work that we've 
done, they talk about that too. Like what story, what meaning is getting put behind this? Because it's the story that we've made up in our heads around whatever it is that just happened. Mm -hmm. And like the the person that came and told you that they couldn't work at Happy Hole U any longer. We don't know what their story is. We don't know. Maybe they had a death in their family. Maybe they were battling something really Mm -hmm. severe. Maybe they got offered another job at double the pay. Like we don't know what their why is. And it's really easy to go down that rabbit hole (laughs) from an emotional standpoint Mm -hmm. and to assign meaning to something that doesn't deserve it unnecessarily. Yeah. Mm hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So two other questions. One, tell me about your dogs. (laughs) So my dogs, let's see. So I have Allie who Allie is just like this little, we rescued the three dogs we have, we rescued all of them. So when I never used to be a dog person, by the way, and now I like come home, I'll go to the bathroom and I have three dogs like following me in the bathroom. Like, I'm like, how did this happen in my life where I used to be not a dog person? I say, I'm not going to have any animals in my house. And like, now I'm like, there's three little regrets running around. Allie's like a little chihuahua. And we got Allie when we got this little dog, Brownie, both female dogs. I say that they were definitely lesbian lovers. They were the best of friends, did all sorts of weird stuff with each other. And then unfortunately, on Mother's Day, Brownie got sick and Brownie passed away, which is very unexpected. It was very traumatic. And it's like, it's just, again, I never used to be a dog person. And I remember like I would be working and people would be like, they would like miss work because their dog died. And I would be like, that's weird. Like, I don't get, like, I didn't get it. And now I'm like, like, they're like literally a part of our family. It's like very, yeah, it's like a whole thing. So anyways, I'm very emotionally attached to my dogs. So then anyway, so Brownie passed away and then there was Allie all by herself. And then we feel bad because it's like, who's Allie going to hang out with all day, you know, because we leave and we went to the pound and we found four months ago. Yeah. Four months ago. We found Grimmy. Grimmy is seven years old, a little like a poodle mix, mid-sized dog. And Brownie was, or I mean, Grimmy was dropped off at the pound and had gnats all over. I mean, just like he was abandoned there because he wasn't being taken care of. Somebody else had adopted Grimmy and they brought him back like 24 hours later. Like this dog like pretty much doesn't do anything. It hides and, you know, so we're like, we'll take him. You know, no one else is wanting this seven-year-old dog. And so we take Grimmy and Grimmy hides out for like the first week at our house and my husband's like ah he'll 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 get used to us you know and he did and Grimmy came out and full of personality loves he's the one that will run to the front door and start barking when it's time to go for a walk and then sent my daughter to the SPCA for a summer camp for one week and she goes wait, wait, wait. so that dog the second dog you're talking about is the dog that you had sent your whole family to go and get a friend for you want brownie Allie. yeah to get yes. a friend for Allie yes so that was a collective decision Correct. you weren't there I think I was with you was yeah. I with you somewhere? We were at we were at the beach down south with oh, your sister Oh yeah, and they went yeah because yeah. you had to fill out an application and then you had to like do a meet and greet and they had to like make sure that you're like you know a Serious. good family yeah. and all that and then you know he had to meet Allie to make sure the dogs would yeah and so then they went and picked him up when we were gone so yeah so there's two dogs and that is plenty that is enough dogs. And then Garrity went to the camp and I don't know why I didn't expect this to happen, but she tells me, Oh mom, I have this dog, Manny. I'm taking care of Manny all week. Another poodle type of dog, mid-sized dog, doesn't shed. Grimmy doesn't shed. Allie's our only shedder and beautiful dog and only one years old. And come Thursday, you know, she's been at camp all Monday through Thursday. She tells me, mom, 
somebody's going to try to adopt Manny. Like we have to get Manny. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then the competitiveness came over me. And I'm like, we better get in an application. Even though the back of my mind, I'm like three dogs, really? Like this is insanity. And then part of me was like, well, if they already had an application, I don't know. We probably won't get it. And then I'm like, you know, whatever is meant to be is meant to be. I was creating all this meaning around it and making up all these scenarios when it was like, you know what, let's just fill out the application. What happens? It happens. And of course, you know, the they granted Garrity the adoption to get the dog. And so then we bring Manny home and Allie would not have anything to do with Manny for like the first, like probably almost the first month. And now they are very connected, similar to how Brownie and Allie were. And they just play all day. And then Grimmy just sits there and looks at them like you two are nuts. And that is how I became a mommy of three dogs, which is crazy. I know. It's nuts. And your kids. So you have Garrity and Lewis. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've talked about them plenty of times on this podcast. And I think they've come on this podcast before, right? Yeah. I think I've interviewed both of them on the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you could give your kids individually one piece of advice, what would you give them? Oh, man. That's a great question. I mean, I think especially with Garrity, she's my more sensitive one she is 11, really that what other people say or think about you, like, shouldn't have any indicator on how you feel about yourself. You know, she's a pleaser. And she's kind. She's always the peacemaker. But you know, we just she'll tell me stuff. And I'm like, well, that's their opinion, right? It doesn't like it's up to us to make it mean truth or not, right? So I think for her, it's, it's really just, you know, letting go of thinking that people are judging you when really it's just their opinion. And if people judge you, that has everything to do with them and nothing to do with who you are. And it doesn't create more or less value based on what they think. And so, so we do say a lot, well, that's just their perception or that's just their opinion. Like we make it, we talk about that a lot. And then with Lewis, oh man, one piece of advice. I think for Lewis, it's just for him just showing up, you know, in a way that is aligned with who he is. Lewis is a, he's a little bit different, you know, and just allowing him to be okay with who he is. I don't know. I think for life for both of them, you know, it's like, be okay with who you are. And if you don't like who you are, who you're becoming, you have the choice to change that at any moment. Like literally you can change it right now with one shift of a thought, one shift of an action. Like, so yeah. One choice. One, one, yeah. So really just be okay with who you are, you know, and do what you say you're going to do. <laughs> That's another thing is if you say you're going to do something, you got to do it. You know, like Lewis, if you say you're going to move up the laundry for me, you don't get to sit in front of your video game for another hour. And I'll say, well, I am going to do it. And I'm like, well, I guess I need to be more clear. I need you to do it right now or within the next, you know, five to 10 minutes. So, you know, you got to set that kind of a timeline around the things that he says he's going to do, you know. So So. teaching him that his word is his, one of his biggest strengths, his word. Oh, yeah. He has his word from a reputation perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Have your word, loyalty. I mean, that's not necessarily easy to find anymore, you know, like doing what you say you're going to do and being, having a loyalty to people, I think is a very strong value that is kind of a lost art. (laughs) You know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, and it may be because, and I bet, you know, people, when I was, you know, 
younger and in my early 20s or teenager, I mean, maybe our parents were saying the same thing, you know, but I do feel that I see a big difference in like say the 30 year olds I hire versus the early 20 year olds I hire and the loyalty and doing what you say you're going to do. And so I don't know, I, it's, it's almost like it's easier to just be like, okay, yep, I'm out, you know, and then you, you're not realizing that impact that you're having on a whole host of people. So we talked about that recently, you and I, we talked about that commitment and pride of workmanship and Mm -hmm. how you know a long time ago somebody would have a job or a career and they would have that career for their entire life Mm -hmm. and in this modern day that we're living in things have changed substantially and people could have 10 jobs and even one career like umbrella of a career like maybe they go to school for something that you went to school for Mm -hmm. and they stay in that field and there's just lots of different types of commitments that are made. Mm -hmm. It's not as common anymore for somebody to get a job working for the post office and stay there for 45 years. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And I think too, like, you know, like for me, I have, I've had different, you know, started off in education and now, I mean, it's always been centered around wellness, you know, but as I've shifted from, you know, more corporate type of vibe and education to business owner, self-employed, doing what I do now. The thing is, is I've kept a lot of relationships, the business relationships, and I've tied those relationships back in and weaved them in if I can through the company, you know? And so I think that, you know, I think that that that's important. So even people that for those of us that are changing careers and shifting is that, you know, don't forget those people that had supported you in the beginning. And, you know, and that can just be thinking about them every once in a while and, you know, sending them good energy. And then sometimes it's bringing them on board to the new endeavors that you have and, you know, allowing them to be a part of something new you're creating. So I think that that It's a really important piece. I think having that ability to weigh those two positions too, the position of a business owner versus the position of a corporate employee is is a huge perk from a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. I know for me, when I was going through my career and working for other corporations, having the ability to see what those businesses needed in order for them to succeed and to thrive was part of like how my brain worked Mm -hmm. from the get-go. And building those relationships with the people that we were with every day, it was almost innate. You know, there it's almost impossible not to develop close kinship with those yeah. people. You see them every day. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, it's so great to be able to have all of these resources and this pool of people when I worked for the newspaper specifically, hundreds and hundreds of people that I saw on a regular basis, and to be able to continue that into the business that I did start because those people are still in our community mm-hmm. and they're still doing great things. And we had a moment, we had a, there was a season of our lives that mm-hmm. we shared a space together and that was really impactful. And I don't know if I ever would forget, like yeah. when you work somewhere for a substantial amount of time, it just, it, there is a bond that's yeah. created. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So my last question for you is it's two part. What's from a heart level, something that you are most proud of, up until this date, something that you've accomplished or just something that just gives you an extreme sense of pride. And then same thing from a heart level, what's something that you've experienced over the course of your life that 
was really the weight on your heart heavily and maybe has impacted you still to this day. So definitely I think like having kids in my marriage is probably the biggest accomplishment because it's not easy. I mean, it's easy for anyone can get married, but to have your marriage work and continue to grow is a lot. And having children that are, I mean, my kids are good humans. I mean, you know, like they're good. They're really good humans. And I believe everybody deep down is a good human, but I feel like I haven't screwed them up too bad quite yet. (laughs) You know, I mean, really. So being a mom, living in a community where I didn't have family to help me raise my children. And so I moved out to California when I was 22 years old from Michigan. I got married. I had, you know, these two children and I literally did it all. You know, I'm pretty proud of myself for that. And um, of course there were people that helped me along the way, but I didn't have that luxury of, hey mom, can you come watch the kids so I can go on date night? Or, you know, like it just, it wasn't like, I look at my siblings, I have four siblings that are in Michigan and, you know, they have the luxury of having my my parents around and they can help them out and stuff like that. So, you know, just different circumstances, but uh, pretty proud of myself for that. And you talked about why you moved out here, right? On this podcast before? Yeah. 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 yeah for so, work and stuff. So, like yeah. briefly. Yes. So it was just, I graduated university in 05. There weren't many jobs in Michigan. The automotive industry had, you know, closed plants. And one plant closes, a GM or Ford plant. I didn't realize that's like 30,000 jobs. That's a whole city. Like my city where I grew up was 7,500 people with outskirts 10,000 people was that town. And we were the county hub in the small town I lived in. So that was like a big city in the Right in like the grand scheme of it all, yeah. Within like an hour, or an hour and a half, yeah. Was like a and every you could drive fifteen, twenty minutes either way, go through some cornfields, and then you're at the next town, mm-hmm. right? Like so, that's that's us, yeah. Me too. Like yeah, I lived in Worcester, Massachusetts, and it was the largest. It, I don't know if it still is the largest city in New England, and I think our population count was one hundred and forty thousand. Which Bakersfield is Kern County in itself is almost at a million from mm-hmm. a population perspective, and I think that's like a 40 mile radius or something yeah, like that. So yeah. in the grand scheme of it all, like pretty small. <laughs> yeah. 40 is nothing. Yeah. 7,000 is yeah. like a little pinprick. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you feel, yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. So you moved out here. Moved you out here. Got a job. Got a job. Then, you know, 08 hit. So the economy wasn't, I figured I'd just come out to California, live here for a couple of years, save up some money and move back. And then the universe had another plan. 08 hit. And then I decided, well, you know, I'm not going anywhere. So then I, that's when I did my master's degree and got my master's degree. And then I ended up meeting my husband. And then that reluctantly, <laughs> Relu- can yeah. you ever tell that story? I don't, I can't even remember, what? but yeah, I know. I that know. is a great story. <laughs> you were like, I'm going to try to date. Yeah. I know. I know. I was like literally giving up on men. I was like, I told my mom, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done dating. I'm done. She's like, she's like, are you becoming a lesbian? And I'm like, well, no. And she's like, okay, it's okay if you are, you know? And I was like, no, mom. I'm just like, I'm like, guys out here are just, they're trying to prove something. I don't know. It was just, they weren't authentic. And at least the guys I was attracting and dating at that time. And then, yeah. And then my husband and I were set up on a blind date by one of my clients and she was his customer. And I kept telling her, no, I'm not like, I no, thank you. And then she like beat me down and I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll go. You're like, he's cute. Yeah. And she, so she took us to dinner and then she like literally up and left in the middle of dinner. And I'm like, like this guy could be a serial killer. I mean, like, I don't know. And Drama. it's like, oh, you can give her a ride home. Right. And I'm just like, 
sitting there like, what is happening? So anyways, and, and he didn't talk much. Obviously, you guys know how much I talk. This is why I like to have a podcast. I can just talk, 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 talk. <laughs> and like my husband is very the quiet, opposite. the total opposite. And so I just remember like when he starts talking, I'm like, be quiet, Heather, don't breathe. Like, <laughs> like this is a rare opportunity. You <laughs> saying words. Yeah. Like I want to soak it in. What yeah. do you have to say? I want to yeah. know. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. So yeah. So I just thought like, I didn't even really, I mean, he was cute, but I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like he doesn't really talk. Like I, you know, whatever I wasn't, I just wasn't looking and in the mood and just whatever. And then my friend was like, I bet you won't even go on a few more dates with him. She's like, cause I would like go on one date with a guy and be like, eh, I'm done. You know, like it just, I just knew. And so I was like, all right, I'll go out with him again. And I think it was like our second date. He kissed me and I was like, oh. This is quite interesting. I don't know what it was. I really don't. There's a chemistry. There was a chemistry there for sure. And so, yeah. And so then we just, we just started dating and it wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't like this big old, like some relationships I had in the past, like were like very like exciting and new and more lust and you know, like all that with him. It was like, I just it was at peace around him and it, it was just nice to be around him. And I enjoyed his company and I really, I think too, I didn't have any expectations right? Because I wasn't already deciding. You already wrote it off. You were I like, already wrote it off. Yeah. I'm like, nah, no, thanks. No, thank you. So yeah. And then I remember I was actually looking to buy a house and I had saved enough money. I had like, I think I had like $50,000 in the bank at this time. Like I had saved like 10 grand a year. And, and you were young. I was young. Yeah. How old were you? So I was 26 maybe then. I had $50,000 in the, in the bank. Yes. So nobody knew this, right? Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy myself a house. Nobody knew this because you were an independent person living in a different state across the country. Yeah. And you just were banking your money as much as you and can. And I didn't, like, you know, I didn't get my hair done. I don't do my yeah. get my nails done. Like, there were all these little extras that I just, I never, because in my brain, I was thinking, gosh, you know, get, get your nails done. I can calculate that out. Like, my brain goes to, like, okay, how much is this going to cost me in a month? How much is it going to cost me in a year? Like, all that, because there's certain numbers that I wanted to get to, right? We're the same way. I yeah. told, we've told, it, I told yeah. this before. So, I didn't have health insurance until three years ago. Because I calculated out how much it would cost and my odds of needing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally was like, well, if I just invest on eating well mm-hmm. and giving myself the nutrients that I need, then yeah. the likeliness of me needing that health insurance is much less likely. Yeah. And I was able to save like $40,000 or yeah. more. Right. Just because of and not getting my hair done. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't dye my hair. Yeah. I haven't dyed my hair in years. And yeah. For 20 years, not dyeing your hair, if you pay 160, 170 every six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't. It yeah. Up. It adds up big time. So you did that. So you cut corners. So you cut corners. I get ahead. And now I can buy a house. Well, I was, Carl and I were dating and I took him to a couple of houses that I was looking at and he would be like, oh, this is, I mean, he, I'm like, and I remember we were driving down the road, we were in his truck and I'm like why do I feel like you don't want me to buy a house? Like I couldn't understand why he wouldn't be excited for so me resistant. and resistant. Like, I'm just like, we're just dating. You know what I mean? It's like, this is my money, you know? Yeah. And then he says to me, well, why don't you move in with me? And I was like, in my head, I was like, is that your crawl voice? I guess. <laughs> I mean, but I just remember he said it so like, I don't know. It like hit me out of the blue because you guys, I, so I met Carl when I met Carl, it was 
first of all, that year I was going to do every, one thing a month that was very extreme. And so like I did this crazy like mud race. I did this women's Nike, this marathon. Uh, I don't know. I like ran like really fast in it. And like, I just did like a bunch of, I was doing a bunch of things. So then like my friend D when she had said, Oh, I bet you won't. And it was like, okay, well, this was my next challenge for the month of October, which was ultimately, you know, actually, no, now I remember. Wait, was, so your extreme no. was dating him or your extreme was like buying to, a house? No, to keep going on, a, to keep going on dates with okay. the, the same guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not just going on a date with someone like, yeah. randomly. Okay. Right. That was an extreme challenge. Yes. Yes. Because you had already wrote it off. So I had already, like, yeah. I guess I'll force myself yeah. to go on a I date with somebody it. more than once. Right. I know. Just making sure that we're getting the, you know, like, yeah. So, okay. Now that I remember, so yeah. So I was like, it was, I think it was actually doing one thing every week. So I had scheduled, cause all this was like in October. It was like all these things in October I was doing. And so then I am at Carl and then it was literally, I think by February that I moved in with him. No, that he asked me that because it was spring break that I moved in with him because I remember I was moving out of my March. apartment. March. It was March. I was moving out of my apartment and then I was going to fly to Florida to meet my family for spring break. And upon moving out of my apartment, I remember something happened. And I got these rashes up my arms and it was like really weird. Like cleaning. For like cleaning or something. something. Yeah. I don't know. Or and, mold or something. Oh, and I had to get on an airplane and I was like going on spring break. And I'm like, I have to cover my arms. It's hot. Like, yeah. Whenever you have a rash, it just yeah. like amplifies it if there's humidity or heat. Yes. But when I got back from that spring break trip, I was living with him and then I got knocked up you guys I mean that just happens right so how soon after did you did you get pregnant oh gosh probably within maybe a month or so I don't know like I had Lewis in January so so you were pregnant in February no probably May May. Yeah. Like it wasn't very long. So here's the other thing I'm giving you guys a lot of information. This is your, this is your podcast. Oh my gosh. This is your interview. You can take <laughs> all of the information that's all about you in this moment. <laughs> so, okay. So what happened was I was going to the doctor and at this time, you know, I was racing and competing a lot and I wasn't having a period. Mind you, I didn't know then what I know now. And so they had done like a lot of my hormone testing and they're like pretty much your premenopausal. Like you're not going to be able to have children. Like you need to take these pills. I know this goes against everything in my life now. And I was even taking ovulation tests. And so why to see if they, I could, they could jumpstart my ovary. They told me they needed to jumpstart my ovaries. So because I was the, because I was premenopausal and I was so young, this was not to get pregnant. No, this was just general health. To, if to I ever, they told me if I ever want to have children someday, so they used that scare tactic that they do, and then they gave me a pill. Okay, so literally, I always say I had sex like three times and I got pregnant twice because, like, literally with Lewis, it was like okay because I was taking ovulation tests and I was like, oh, I'm not ovulating. We don't need to use protection, right? I was definitely pregnant. And then even with Garrity, I'm like, oh, let's have another baby. Boom, I was pregnant. So yeah, so I was pregnant literally with Lewis. And the day before Carl found out I was pregnant, he had bought me a ring and had, and he had asked my dad if he could marry me. And the next day I like unloaded. By the way, I'm not We're just going to amplify that process yeah. because yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll say yes. And yeah. we're having a baby. I know. 
And so anyway, so yeah, so that was, uh, that was, it was just kind of crazy how that all happened. And then I was raised Catholic. So I'm like, well, dang, I better get, I better get married quick because you can't be like pregnant and married or have a kid and get married. I mean, you know, these are the, the, my young mind thinking that, you know, whatever. So I had, yeah. So I had five weeks. We got married in June, five weeks before my wedding. I had $5,000. That was my budget because you know me, I budget. You cut, you cut the house thing out though, by the way. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll go yeah, back. Well, okay. I moved in with him. So you never ended up using the $50,000? No, that so, was still... And he didn't a, know that No, he it. did not know that I had that. He just, he just knew you wanted to buy a house. Yes. And yeah. The money scamming right The there. money scamming. <laughs> then it's like, oh, we're going to get married. Well, I don't have any money. Not marital money scamming. There is no... 101. <laughs> there is no wedding money in my budget. So technically, I'm like, I don't have money for a wedding because that was... For the there, house. There was, that was for a house. That was for a house. And that was good be for a house yeah it's still going to and be for a house. yeah so then i told my best friend and my mom i have five thousand dollars will you guys plan a wedding for me they did we flew to michigan we got married came back oh yeah to- and you said you didn't even know like half did- of the stuff like you're no. like the colors yeah, the things like, like I-, I don't even i didn't even con- you said you didn't even really connect 100 percent with they did the best they could do and yeah. it was kind of in line with their styles it yeah. wasn't necessarily like yeah i yeah, just yeah, yeah like all the bridesmaids i'm like okay like, I guess this is the color that's going to go on at the wedding. So, like, go buy a dress that's, like, this color that fits your body best. I guess it will be the I color because guess. your mom yeah. and your sister decided. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it was just, you know. I mean, it, it was fine, though, but that's my personality. Like, I'm just, like, someone else pick out all the little details. Which is why you have colorful everything. Because you're like, I can't decide. Yeah. Just have, we'll do multicolor everything. Yes. That's my style. That's my style. <laughs> all of the colors? Yes. All of the colors. I know, today I'm wearing pink and blue. Literally, yeah. Yeah, I know. So yeah. Thanks for joining us today, you guys, on this Happy Holy You podcast. We are so stoked that you are listening. And if you have questions or want to reach out to us, you can always email us at info at happyholeyou.com. And you know where to find us at Happy Holy You on Facebook and at Happy Holy You on Instagram. So have a wonderful day. Have a great week. And we will see you soon.